Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, gets on a call with Congress. There he is on the big video screen. And he makes his pitch. He makes his pitch in English at the end, asking for American help. Asking for a no-fly zone. And also invoked September 11th. Invoked Pearl Harbor. Does the United States want to be engaged in a war, yes or no? It's a question that I'm asking. If you follow my video series, The Morning Rumble, at rumble.com slash Tony Katz, I do it every morning. I ask that question. I'm asking it now. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you here. In case you missed it, you need to hear it. The president of Ukraine, Zelensky, speaking to Congress. And in the end, to sum it up, today... Today, it's not enough to be the leader of the nation. Today, it takes to be the leader of the world. Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. Peace in your country doesn't depend anymore only on you and your people. It depends on those next to you, on those who are strong. Strong doesn't mean weak. Strong is brave and ready to fight for the life of his citizens and citizens of the world. For human rights, for freedom, for the right to live decently and to die when your time comes. And not when it's wanted by someone else, by your neighbor. Today, the Ukrainian people are defending not only Ukraine, We are fighting for the values of Europe and the world, sacrificing our lives in the name of the future. That's why today the American people are helping not just Ukraine, but Europe and the world to keep the planet alive. I mean, it was a, that is a, we need you. We got to have you. Look at what you're doing. You can do more. We need more. Please help. Man. It was that poll. Does it work? And are we asking ourselves, what does it mean? And when I say we asking ourselves, you, if, if you're looking to Congress to have this figured out, get with, as, as the kids would say, the Mother Blanken program. They don't got this figured out. They're going to look to us to figure out what we have figured out so they know what to think. Because so many of them have lost the very concept of leadership, have lost the concept of skill set, the idea of knowledge, of, of, of scholarship, of study is out the window. It's all about how you feel. And some of them are so egomaniacal that they wouldn't even think of saying, okay, I don't know what the the options are here. I got to speak to some people who know better than I do because there are indeed experts who exist in the world. But in the end, we're the experts. 
and we should listen to experts and then make our own decisions. We may have thoughts and ideas. This is how the experiment works in America. So Zelensky, he finishes up. To keep justice in history, now I'm almost 45 years old. Today my age stopped when the hearts of more than 100 children stopped beating. I see no sense in life if it cannot stop the death. And this is my main mission as the leader of my people, great Ukrainians. And as the leader of my nation, I'm addressing the President Biden. You are the leader of the nation, of your great nation. I wish you to be the leader of the world. Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. Thank you. Slava Ukraine. Zelensky was met with a standing ovation when he was done. But does this mean we are saying absolutely, give him what he needs, let's put in a no-fly zone, let's go to war? Because that is exactly what it means, and we have to ask ourselves whether or not we want it. We can recognize catastrophe and still say no. We clearly did it in Hong Kong. We watched Hong Kongers get destroyed. We never even said, hey, we'll just bring a boat by, and anybody wants to come to America, yeah, we're cool. We didn't do that. We have watched destruction and horror happen in African nations. We've watched destruction and horror in Central America for decades now. Is this the place where we're going to get involved? Is this the place where we put troops on the ground? Never mind whether or not we are are conditioned into it, forced into it, moved into it. Regarding NATO, I'm asking a question. Have we asked? Have we considered all the options? Speaker Pelosi, she hasn't considered the options. Did you hear of this insanity from the Speaker of the House? Missiles and the rest are a very important way. Myself, when I see that, that those tanks, that 40 miles of tanks, I'd like to take out those tanks. I mean, I, I think that air, uh, them having more planes might be useful, but that I'm not a, a military st- strategist. No kidding. And by the way, in my head, I wasn't saying no kidding. She's talking about that convoy that was heading towards Kiev and it was stalled out there. I'd like to take them out. Well, a lot of people discuss that. But here you are, Speaker of the House. This is what you're saying out loud? They excoriated, excoriated Senator Lindsey Graham for saying somebody should assassinate Vladimir Putin. Here's the Speaker saying, oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Let's just go in there. Ping, pow, boom, bam, ping. What a, what a foolhardy thing to say. Because the other side of the coin has not been discussed. What happens if you do? What happens if somebody else decides to? What happens if, if, if? And part of our problem is we don't have a leadership that has a value system that the world can clearly see and understand how to operate. Some interesting things come from that. I, mean, I, I can't say it enough. NATO has to rethink the job of NATO. The line that I use, 
NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, we should really be clear, Europe and European nations have rested easy from the Marshall Plan to two weeks ago. From the Marshall Plan to 2022, Europe had it easy. Those days are over. And now you see them starting to organize, realizing they have to handle it. Part of the reason they have to handle it is because this administration can't. Which forces us to take a look at what it is we vote for, how we vote. Maybe there's something worse than mean tweets. As a matter of fact, there is something worse than mean tweets. As a matter of fact, there are things worse than death, as I have often discussed. So let's ask ourselves the question. Are we prepared to put troops in Ukraine and kill Russian soldiers? 833-468-8669. Do you believe that's the only way to stop Putin, yes or no? Now, if you if you go back to this show two months ago, I said, and, and, and I'm quoting uh, here, if you believe that stopping Putin involves troops, are you prepared for U.S. soldiers to shoot Russian corporals in the face. The horror people gave it. Tony! You can't, you can't say that. Why would you say such a thing? Well, that's because that's what it comes to. There is somebody smarter than I, and I don't know if the, uh, their, their rank was. They said that in the end, all warfare comes down to a Bowie knife. In the end, doesn't matter what highfalutin high thing you have, two guys are going to be in field and one guy's going to have to kill the other to go home. All comes down to a Bowie knife. That's reality. Reality is if you put American soldiers on the ground, you're going to be shooting Russian corporals in the face. Are you ready for it? Can America sustain that? And for how long? Hours, days, weeks, months? Or are we just going to be taking a look at the nonsense questions? from people like Speaker Pelosi. Oh, yeah, I'd like to take out that convoy. Well, more happens if you take out a convoy. So I want to hear from you. Should we be putting troops on on the ground? Mark, I appreciate you calling in. Welcome to the show, Mark. Uh, Do you think the United States should put troops on the ground? And if so, uh, defend the position. Yes, I do think we need to put troops on the ground. You are explaining why my grandparents and my great-grandparents were opposed to the war in 1930. They didn't see into the future, nor could they understand what was to come. And they would go and they would sing sing in church, rescue the perrying and care for the dying. But they could not connect those words of that hymn to what was going on in Europe. And I'm sorry, I disagree. We do need troops on the ground. So it's an interesting connection that you want to make to World War II because the conversation you're having is here was uh, the, the extermination of Jews, the genocide going on, the murder uh, of others, but it took Pearl Harbor for the United States to get involved. I have long questioned that. I have long looked at that and asked myself, what if the United States had acted earlier? I am then countered by acted upon what? Your argument, and, and, and I appreciate the argument, and I, and, and I don't think anything is flip or glib here, guys. Like I think this is the serious stuff. Uh, is, is Your argument is based on the idea of doing good. 
But that is only to be in one site, and we are not looking at what lies beyond. Well, we have to do good, and we have to stop the killing of these Ukrainians. We have to stop a lot of killing in a lot of places. Tell me why we didn't send in a battalion or two to wipe out every member of Boko Haram. Because we don't do that in all cases and in all places. We do have to ask ourselves about America's vital interests. And one of the vital interests is not getting troops killed or putting them in in an opportunity to be killed when it is not necessary. I don't want this for the Ukrainians. And I want to arm the Ukrainians to the teeth, as they say, in the business. But a connection to World War II and watching what the Nazis did to Jews. And if you want to hit it personal, I will too. My people, my people. What he did to my people, my people. Family members I will never meet with bloodlines I would not be able to trace. Well, you can do that. But even that does not move me to thinking that it is just so easy or it should be our option. 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony. Should we be sending in troops to Ukraine to fight Russia? Let me know. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So would you put troops into Ukraine is is the question. That is, that is the entirety uh, of it. Because this is, this is what we're being asked to do. And the truth is, we're the ones who have to answer the question. Our elected officials are going to look back to their districts and to their states and say, hmm, I wonder how my people feel about this. Of course they will. They are politicians. So shouldn't we think about how we feel about this? And there are people who feel passionately. I, Mark, who just called in, I appreciate him. Connecting things religiously, connecting things to World War II. The, 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 the Jews who were slaughtered, I, I, I get that. I can take that personally if I choose. It doesn't change what we're doing to ourselves as a nation. And part of our problem is that as a nation, we don't have a vision. We have party lines. And normally, we could have party line divisions and still have a national view, a a, a, a national interest. That is not true with today's progressive party. What they are interested in is different. And it is not American strength or security. It is not an American value because they see America as the problem. If you desire to fundamentally transform the country, if you desire to make massive wholesale changes to the greatness, if you oppose capitalism, if you oppose the American ethos of strength, of strength of mind, of strength of will, of strength of military, if you oppose these things, well then, my gosh, what vision do you have and what leadership can you provide? And is there a conversation of a nation being exhausted by being the world's policeman? And maybe you just got to sit some things out until you can't. So that's why I'm asking you guys. I'm asking, should we have troops 
uh, in Ukraine? Should we put U.S. troops in Ukraine to beat back the Russians? Twitter at Tony Katz. Get her at Tony Katz. Email Tony at TonyKatz.com. The phone number, 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. Sheila. Sheila's calling in. I appreciate you taking the time, Sheila. Do you believe in troops, U.S. troops on the ground in Ukraine to beat back the Russians? Absolutely not. I think we should stay out of it. I think that the only reason that America is trying to help them is because they are trying to cover their butts. I think that there's been illegal shenanigans going on over there, and they think that Zelensky will out them. And that's how I truly feel. Your your argument is that we should stay out of it because Zelensky has dirt on some Americans, and if we don't get involved, he'll out them? The government. Yeah, the government. government. Yeah, I I must tell you how little I buy into that theory. Really? Uh, I, I don't think that is supported factually. If you want to argue uh, that uh, Hunter Biden had shady deals with Ukrainian government officials, I believe that to be true. If you want to argue that Ukraine is not a model of democracy that we should be modeling ourselves after, I absolutely believe that true. And I believe we should be more of a beacon so Ukraine models themselves after us. But it doesn't change the fact uh, that the Russians invaded, Ukrainians are dying, and nothing seems to be stopping Putin, even though his military is incompetent. And what would make us think he stops with Ukraine? Why not Moldova and why not the Baltics? Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think we should should have gotten involved. I don't think... Well, well we are, we, I would say to the... Another stuff. To the extent, I appreciate the phone call, Sheila, to the extent that we're not involved, we really are not involved. Sending weaponry, sending hardware, I mean, that's that's kind of our thing. We're not involved. But no, you, you can't get me on some level of um, conspiracy theory. That this is just, and we're going to get involved because we've got a lot of dirty dealings. Okay, grown-up time. We have a lot of dirty dealings everywhere. And a lot of other nations have a lot of dirty dealings everywhere, and other places. Okay, now what? Now no one's perfect. Great. Have we gotten that all the way? Oh, and by the way, I can't prove the dirty dealings, but I'm willing to believe it. Things that we would be like, wow, I can't believe that's happening. But it's all just a big conspiracy? No thanks. I'm out. I'm out on that one. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. In order to understand what we should be doing in Ukraine, historical perspective matters. And an openness and a recognition that maybe we all don't have the knowledge base to have all the facts to make a smart determination of what to do. The problem with that argument is that we have been so abused by the so-called experts for the last two and a half years. Why in the bloody hell would we listen to an expert? This is the rabbit hole. This is the problem. And what I'm trying to do is trying to pull everybody out of the holy damn rabbit hole because once you're in, you're never coming out. 
That doesn't mean you can't have a conversation. It doesn't mean there can't be shenanigans afoot. It means to believe wholly in conspiracy theories as opposed to facts is a problem. And to believe wholly in something that your head has decided without the knowledge base behind it is also a problem. And we are right now inundated with pseudo-intellectuals in political office that are doing both of those things. They heard three guys talking on a street corner, so they've got a conspiracy theory. Or they feel something in their heart and they decide that's a policy. Neither one of those things makes any rational sense. But I am convinced that the decision on what to do regarding Ukraine, if anything, is up to us. And it can't be up to the politicos. Us taking back our power, just like we need to on mandates and other things, is paramount. But we need to have a basis of understanding. We need to have a baseline of conversation here. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's great to be with you. Kurt Schlichter joins us right now. You know him as the author. You can find his books at Amazon.com, the Kelly Turnbull series of books. He has some new books coming out later this year that I'll talk about in a second. He is also a columnist at townhall.com, and he's got two pieces worth reading. Uh, No Sacrifices for Ukraine, which he put out uh, just five days ago. Six days ago and two days ago, can we have some real talk about Ukraine? And Kurt, I, you're a man who's graduated uh, the, from the War College. You served in the military, uh, retiring a, as a full bird colonel. Um, the conversation for you is a little more complex than should we have troops in Ukraine? Should there be troops on the ground in Ukraine? We're getting begged by Zelensky to help in Ukraine with a no-fly zone. Uh, but let's start there. In your view, should the United States be militarily active right now with troops in Ukraine? Absolutely not. That's a terrible idea, Tony. But it's also the wrong question because we have to we have to jump back into uh, get some perspective. What's our objective in Ukraine? And I mean, in the short term, that is how we're going to resolve the present shooting war, but also for year a year down the road, five years down the road. Nobody's thinking about that. It's all emotion. It's all reaction. Well, we're in a no-fly zone. Okay. Leaving aside that that risks World War III, literally, because it's declaring war on Russia. What are we trying to achieve by that? What, 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 what's going to happen if we, if we uh, assume we do clear the skies of, uh, of Russian aircraft, assume the Russians don't clear the skies of ours, because, of course, we'd be flying into the teeth of the Russian air defense system. Um, what are we achieving? What is it doing? What are we try- are, are, are we trying to allow Ukrainian counterattacks? Are, are there still mechanized forces that can do that? Or are, we most, or are the Ukrainians mostly fighting in small groups of anti-tank uh, weapon-equipped uh, infantry? I mean, what, what, what the hell is all this? You know, every, you, know you get these bits and pieces right? It's like pointillism. You get little bits and pieces that are uninterconnected. Well, I want to, let's get MiGs, uh, uh, Javelins. Uh, 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 we, we, we need to do a no-fly zone. Okay, what's the picture we're trying to put together? What do we want to do? What are What is the end state we're seeking? And they're not all bad ideas. I think Javelins are a very good idea. MiGs are a very bad idea. No-fly zone. Uh, a, a criminally stupid idea. But what are we trying to do? What do you want Ukraine to look like in, in a month? I do think that that is the right question. 
I have uh, likened it to, you know, the rules of engaging in in shooting, right? You got to know your target and you have to know what lies behind it. And your question is, what do we want Ukraine to look like? It means you're saying, as I see it, there's a lot more than just repelling the Russians here because we haven't asked ourselves how long it would take. Uh, Are you making the argument also that we shouldn't be engaged in selling or providing javelins or stingers uh, to Ukraine? No, because I, I I think looking at a larger objective, what I would be doing, because my and keep in mind, my objectives are American objectives. Zelensky's objectives are Ukraine's objectives. And I sympathize with the Ukrainians. I served with Ukrainians and I went to Ukraine and trained Ukrainians. Uh, but I'm not a Ukrainian. I'm an American. So I want a result that supports American interests. And perhaps that result is something like the borders uh, that were intact. Uh, or in place uh, on February 24th before they invaded. Um, is that some I could live with? I, I could live with that. I don't know if Zelensky could live with that because there'd still be Russians squatting in the Crimea and Donbass and the, uh, uh, some other areas. Uh, but, you know, uh, uh, arming uh, light infantry with anti-tank weapons would seem to support something like that. But something like MiGs, I I, I I don't know what that. What, are we trying to rebuild the uh, entire Ukrainian conventional forces on the fly, or do they think that MIGs are like magical? Okay, they had MIGs. They all got shot down. The argument I would make on the other side of that, talking to Kurt Schlichter, author and columnist, his latest book will be back: "The Fall and Rise of America." Uh, that is available. Is that available in October? Or no, July. Uh, July twelfth. It, it'll be out in July, uh, but you can pre-order now, and you should. The Fall and Rise of America. We'll uh, number one new release in 21st century history of the U.S. is what that is. We'll be back. The Fall and Rise of America. I have no issue with Poland handing over uh, the, the, the MiGs. I don't think that puts us in any bad place uh, whatsoever. If you could send javelins and stingers, you can send MiGs. You can make the argument of the MiGs won't do them any good. That's the, what the U.S. military is saying. We don't believe it's going to help them, but that's not for us to decide. If they want the MiGs and Poland wants to give them the MiGs, give them the damn MiGs and, and move on with the day. Poland doesn't want to give them the MiGs. Poland wants to give us the MiGs. And then Poland would get aircraft from us, and then we would give, uh, we would presumably refurbish the MiGs because do you think these forty-year-old uh, vehicles are good to go? What do you think the OR rate, the operational readiness rate, is on them? Uh, if it's forty percent, I would be staggered. Uh, so we would get the MiGs, we would rebuild them, uh, thereby, you know, potentially making a target out of the uh, air base that we're rebuilding them at. Because, you know, we don't get to decide what's a target or not. Putin does. Vladimir, the guy we were told is crazy and stupid and evil, and we're counting on him not being crazy, stupid, or evil. Um, and, and of course, we rebuild the things. And then, uh, then I guess we just sort of piecemeal hand them aircraft, which doesn't really help because... You don't fight with aircraft, you fight with squadrons. Squadrons are a group of people that include pilots and include guys on the ground, include operational guys, logisticians. You know, again, like I was saying, it's just, it's like these little bundles. Give them MiGs. You don't give people MiGs. You give people squadrons. Units fight. Individuals just die messily. It seems to me that it was it is a nonsensical fight 
over these MIGs uh, because we've decided that somehow they're different. And I still, and I disagree with you, I don't, I don't believe them to be different. Your argument is a very sound one that giving them the planes doesn't solve a problem because you need the totality of the ability to fight. And this goes back to the idea of vision. This is the problem that I think that we're having. We have politicos who believe in the idea that we must do something. And the crowd that always says we have to do something are the same people who decided we need bailouts of AIG and this insurance yep. company and this bank and absolutely uh, ruined us that way. The people who decide we have to do something are the ones who engage in nonsensical laws that provide us no value. But now I ask you, as a guy who is studies tactics and understands military history, while the Russian military has proven itself inept... And it really and truly has proven itself inept. That doesn't mean that an inept military can't do damage. And it doesn't mean that this inept military won't eventually take Ukraine. Correct. What should be the U.S. position if that should happen? Because it does de facto change an equation about what it is you're dealing with. Um. That's a good question. Uh, I certainly don't think we go to war for Ukraine. Remember, Ukraine's always going to be more important to Russia than it is to us. It's right next door to them. They are tied together by history, by religion, by things you and I don't understand. Uh, It it is a complex relationship. They are different people, uh, but they also share some similarities. And Russia has a huge interest in uh, what it sees as protecting its southern flank. Now, here we're getting in the point where, who's supporting Putin? Okay, first thing you do in a military operation plan is you look at the enemy situation. You figure out what the enemy wants and what the enemy thinks and what the enemy's objectives are. Analyzing what the enemy is thinking is not the same as supporting the enemy. Okay, we should figure out what Putin thinks we're going to have to agree with him, but we need to understand what he thinks. And what he thinks is that Ukraine is vitally important to Russia, important enough to send in 200,000 troops and risk these terrible sanctions. So we, 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 we need to look at the possibility that he's willing to put in more effort than we are. Uh, to win this, and we need to think about what the world looks like if all or part of Ukraine uh, comes under Russian domination. Uh, And I think in some ways it's not going to look that much different. It's not a NATO country. It's bordered by a bunch of NATO countries. Uh, But, uh, you know, Ukraine is, is not a vital American interest. The Europeans might see things a little bit differently, considering the amount of wheat that comes out of Ukraine, the amount of barley that comes out of Ukraine, and certainly no, having to pay Russia for those things creates no, a difference. I mean, I understood, I but I, I'm saying that, that that for us it might make little difference. I don't disagree with you uh, there. For the, for Europe, it might make a larger bit of difference, which no, now brings not. in this this NATO connection. Right. I'm a believer in Article five. An attack on one is an attack on all. And I believe that we are absolutely bound to engage a response if necessary. That doesn't mean the response is necessarily military. It means that we have to be there for people we've signed this treaty with. 
But now we take a look at NATO and you see a look at take a look at some of these European NATO allies who are really starting to work together because they just realized that they had it easy from the Marshall Plan to 2022. And now they're going to actually have to take care of themselves. Is NATO um, more important than ever? Or is there something here that has to be looked at, in your view, that maybe this needs a, a tweak or a change? Well, look, uh, you know, Donald Trump started. Look, I, I think NATO is necessary. Uh, I served in NATO. I have a NATO medal. Uh, I think NATO is a necessary organization uh, that did not take things seriously because America was carrying most of the weight. And Donald Trump said, no, you got to pull your own weight. And of course, they squealed and cried. Uh, if they had uh, actually done it, perhaps that would have deterred Putin. Uh, perhaps not. But uh, now they're apparently uh, uh, rethinking things and thinking, uh-oh, we'd better get serious. Uh, and I think that's good. The Europeans should have you – know, NATO should not be America plus some friends that might or might not come along. NATO should be an alliance of people all equally committing within their own context to the uh, safety and security and sovereignty of the borders of the member states. And that means Germany rearming. That means uh, the other countries getting over 2% of GDP. Uh, no more America doing anything. Uh, my feeling has always been, you know, if this war is not important enough for uh, a German to get killed, I don't understand why it's important enough for an American. Kurt Schlichter, that is his name. You can find him at townhall.com. We'll be back the fall and rise of America. You can get that at amazon.com and get your pre-order done, people. Make that happen right now, immediately, if not sooner. We'll be back the fall and rise of America. Kurt Schlichter, I appreciate you taking the time, my friend. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Beto O'Rourke is running for governor in Texas. Oh, that is absolutely, positively adorable, isn't it? Isn't that adorable? He thinks he's going to become the next governor of Texas. That is... uh... Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. So absolutely foolhardy, this guy. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. And he has a never-ending series of statements about firearms. When he was running for president, it was, hell yes, we're coming for your guns. Now it's, I don't want to take anything from anyone. You've seen a spike in gun violence, O'Rourke claimed. More cops or sheriff's deputies or members of law enforcement have been gunned down in the state of Texas than in any other state. So when you hear BS about defund the police, and some folks support law enforcement, some don't, Greg Abbott turned his back on those members of law enforcement who put their lives on the line for this community, and they're losing their lives at a faster rate than in any other state because of it. Why? Because they have constitutional carry in Texas. They just signed constitutional carry into law in Ohio. It's right now on Governor Eric Holcomb's desk in Indiana, and he is not saying word one. But there are plenty of people lying about what constitutional carry does. I'll share some of that in a little bit. 
According to BearingArms.com, Cam Edwards reporting, officer fatalities are 50% lower now than they were 50 years ago. And at that time, Vermont was the only constitutional carry state in the country. Data matters. Facts matter quite a bit. Liars, uh, they don't matter. And liars should be called liars directly and clearly and thusly without question. They're just awful. And the people who lie about these bills, whether they be uh, uh, people political like the political left or, 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 or others, I don't have to explain to you why I have rights. I don't have to prove them to you. I don't have to go before a board and beg for them. They exist. And if it makes a cop's job harder, with all due respect to the police officer, okay. You know there are rules to doing radio? You know what one of the rules is? You're not allowed to say four-letter words. You know how much easier this would be if I could do some four-letter words? But nope. I have to think about innovative and creative ways to get my message across. But there are rules. Constitution is, the Second Amendment is, and if it makes a police officer's job harder, I like police, but I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about my rights. It should be signed into law by Governor Holcomb immediately, and I don't even understand what he's waiting for. I'm Tony Katz.